I want to say to every one of you that God loves you so much. I mean, what a tough year we've had. And you're here. You guys online, you know, you're tuning in. And God's proud of you. He understands. He sees it. And he loves you. You know, it's been a tough year to stay engaged, at least for me it has. Um, on top of everything else that's gone on this year, I injured my lower back in a workout about three months ago, and so I'm having to do like these rehab exercises every week, and I'm still getting pain, but it's getting better. So I'm going to have to sit on this stool some of the time, which I never do when I speak, but anyway, that's why. But there's been a phrase that I hear a lot on, on radio advertisements, on news feeds and stuff like that. There's a phrase that I hear a bunch that kind of, for me, encapsulates 2020. And the phrase is, in these times of uncertainty. You guys heard that? In these, everybody's saying it, in these times of uncertainty. We're living in times of uncertainty. And it's... it's you know, to me, it, it's like the enemy has released an attack of fear this year like I've just never seen. And I, it's just incredible, that just the battle that people are in, you know. Is my health going to be okay? Am I going to get attacked, you know, with a plague? Cindy and I were in the Dominican Republic a little over a month ago, and while we were there, there was a plague and Tropical Storm Laura, later to be uh, Hurricane Laura, was passing through at the same time. <laughs> like, we've been in the Dominican Republic at the same time of hurricanes, but now we got a plague and a hurricane. And I'm like, this is like Egypt, you know, like, what's happening? <laughs> and, you know, and it was still a good trip, and we stayed at rest, and we got through it. But it, it's just, it's crazy. Um, is the economy going to crash? You know, am I going to be okay financially? Um, is Godzilla or the Transformers going to come and just start tearing up my city? Like, what is happening? You know, there, there are people who really have suffered financially this year. There are people who have had some real health crises this year. It, it, it's real. You know, most of us probably know somebody. Some of you may have even been affected by some of those things. And, and you know, and that's tough. And I can say that I've had an attitude. <laughs> Certain things I see on the news and just different things have triggered me. And I just want it to be back to normal. You know what bothers me? One of the things that bothers me a lot, and, and you're going to say that's silly. You're going to probably laugh at me. One of the things that bothers me the most is that L.A. Fitness will not open their sauna. For years, I get off work, and I go in the sauna, and I sweat my brains out, and all the stress of the day comes off, and I go home relaxed. And for eight months now, I can't go in the sauna. <laughs> and I've just had an attitude. So I was in a meeting a few weeks ago, and uh, a friend of mine was preaching, and he was preaching on the concept or this idea of reset. We have to reset. and We have to... Connect with God and hear what he's saying and, and face what we're going through with, with faith, with the Holy Spirit. And it hit me like right between the eyes. 
And then he said this. He says, if you're just waiting for normal to get back, you're not resetting. And man, oh man, did that. It was my moment. You know, like I was the first one repenting. Like I've, I've had an attitude. I, I have not responded to my circumstances with the Father's love. I haven't connected in with his love. I've just wanted it to be normal again. So that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about, finding a home in the Father's love, finding your place in the Father's heart. And one of the things that sparked this is I, as I saw the new logo that Beaches Chapel has, and it has the idea of home connected into it. And I, I wow, I love that because, you know, we, we're a Father's Love ministry. It's what we've preached on for around 20 years at this point. And, you know, the idea of home is very familiar to us. And so that's what I want to talk about, that there's a place in the Father's heart for every one of you. And if we can find that in the middle of our circumstances, we can go through in victory rather than defeat and fear and and anxiety and getting triggered by so many things that his love is big enough. And I believe this concept of home is, is actually central to the gospel because it's what everybody wants. You know, if you think of this, this young 20-something on the subway in New York City with face tattoos and spiked hair, they want to belong. Deep down, they want to belong. You think of a businessman who's very successful, but he's a workaholic. Same thing. He wants to feel okay. You think of the, the mother who's just overwhelmed just all the time. Same thing. It's what every human being wants. We want to we feel included. We want to feel that we have a home, that there, there's a place in God's heart for us. There's a place in his family for us, right? Like, who wants to feel alone and cast out and abandoned? You know, this is, you know, I, I think the challenge for so many of us. I came here in 1986 when I first joined this church. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know anything about doctrine per se. I didn't really know anything about the Bible when I first joined. And so I'm here, and Pastor Steve, the pastor at that time, used to tell this example sometimes on Sunday mornings. He would say, could you imagine if you're maybe in seventh grade or eighth grade and you fail your math test? And then you come home that day from school and there's a note on the front door that says, you failed your math test and we've moved. We're not going to tell you where we are. We're done with you because you failed your math test. And everybody would would laugh at that example. You know, how how much more God, right? How much more God, you know, he's not going to just abandon you because you've made a mistake or fallen in some way or whatever. But I'd be sitting there, and here's the thought that would go through my mind. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure about that, that you can just make a mistake, and God's going to hang in there. And this wasn't coming out of like a teaching that I heard or doctrine. I didn't grow up in church. This was my natural thought about who the Father was and who God is. Like, I don't know. God doesn't play. I don't think God plays like that. Like, you can't mess up. You know, he's, he's the real deal. You know, I mean, just crazy thoughts. 
And so it went on like that. And even 15 years later, being in church every Sunday, oftentimes every Wednesday, every week, year after year, 15 years, I still often battled anxiety. I occasionally battled uh, panic attacks and just all these issues of fear, you know, from things that had happened to me and just ways that I grew up and, and certain abuses and things like that. But 15 years. And, and I thought, well, how long does healing take? Like, how long do you got to be in church every week before you start getting past, like, some of your issues? Like, isn't that the deal? Like, you come to church and you worship and, like, it's supposed to get better, right? Like, how long does it take? 15 years every week. I mean, I've been pretty faithful. <laughs> I'm still having panic attacks from time to time. Like, what's up? <laughs> how does healing come? Step one for healing is understanding the problem. Understanding that all of us at some level can battle these feelings of being a spiritual orphan. What's a spiritual orphan? There's no father available to me. There's no father there for me to, to love me and be with me and get me through whatever I'm dealing with. And we, we battle being a spiritual orphan. And, and fear is an indicator that I'm having this battle. If I'm having certain fears in my life and certain anxieties are coming up, it's like a gauge on the dash of your car. It's, it's letting you know something. You know, that there's something about my circumstances and what's happening in my heart that's not quite fully connecting with God's love. Because if it was, I'd be okay. And this fear gauge is going off, and so something's going on in my heart. In John 14, 18, it says, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Central verse of the Bible. Jesus, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. Like That's why he came. That we could have a place in his family, a place in his heart. He won't leave us as orphans. He came to prepare a place in his heart for us. But we feel alone too many times. We feel abandoned, and that sparks all of the fears. And what happens when I feel alone and I have fear? I start to strive. I get triggered. I feel like I've got to somehow provide for myself or protect myself or somehow do something to take care of myself and be okay. And I get in conflicts with people, and all kinds of bad things happen. We moved to the mission field in 1998. And we're living in the Dominican Republic, and I'm not past all of these fears yet. I still have pretty regular battles with anxiety and so forth. And so in this little town that we lived in, there's no mail. And if you want to pay your bills, you've got to go to the place and, and pay. So like I'd have to pay the electric bill. And you'd have to go there with cash to the, to the office and pay. So first I'd have to go to the bank and get cash. So I'd be in the bank... And there'd be like one or two people in front of me, and it would be taking like a long time. And I'm thinking, how could it take this long? Like, there's only two people. Like, what, what in the world could be going on? And I'd be getting frustrated. Like, I don't think this clerk cares about me. <laughs> and I'm waiting, and, and like, you know, gosh, a half hour goes by. And so over to the left were, were a row of offices with, with windows, so you could see in, and then the corner office was the bank manager. 
And so after waiting so long, I looked over and, and, and I was looking at him, you know, through the window till he, till he looked at me and I got his attention. And I'm like, and that's, um, that's not what you do in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> Um, you don't embarrass somebody in public, especially if you're a foreigner, but even if you're, they don't do that to each other. Like, that's not a cultural thing to do, you know. And to make matters worse, he was my neighbor, (laughs) and our kids were friends. Our kids were best friends. (laughs) But but there was this fear, you know, I'm, I'm being taken advantage of. And what does that say about me? I'm some loser who gets taken advantage of. The lie, right? the fear, and, and, and the lie about my identity. We came back from the Dominican Republic in 2002, and I'd been learning about the Father's love, and I was in one of my very first conferences uh, with Jack Frost, the person who mentored me in the Father's love. We're in Tampa, Florida. And so we were on a break, and everybody had gone to lunch, and I had stayed there in the church in the lobby. And I found this kind of out-of-the-way place, and I was waiting for the afternoon sessions to start, and I'm journaling, and I start having a panic attack. We'd only been home from the Dominican Republic, you know, five or six months. I had numerous people come and tell me, you know, missionaries don't make it if they live in the U.S. You only make it if you're living overseas. And and I'm just like, fear after fear is, you know, we're not going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to take care of my family. And I don't know what we're going to, you know, what the future of ministry holds. And maybe we're not even going to be in ministry. And, and I mean, just racing thoughts. My palms are sweaty. My heart is pounding. And I'm having a panic attack at a Father's Love conference. <laughs> <If you> can... <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't fully sinking in just yet. And healing begins as, as we start seeing the problem and letting Father's Love into our hearts. So I journaled all this stuff down, which helped a little bit, but, but, but still not great. And then later in the day, uh, Jack came to me and he said, Robert, we've got a trip coming up to uh, Vietnam and Cambodia where there's a group of pastors and they, they want to hear about the Father's love. Would you like to go? And I'm like, what? You know, like we had left the, the, the mission field six months earlier. I had no idea whether we would ever go to the mission field again. It was a very difficult time in, in our lives when all of that was going on. And here, I've never been to Asia at that point. And like, you want to go to Asia? Like, not just Asia, like really cool countries in Asia. Like, I didn't even know about Cambodia and all the crazy stuff that happened there. Vietnam, and like, Wow. And so I said, yeah, I'll pray, but yeah, I think I'm interested in that. And so then he announces it in the meeting. And some, some guy, some businessman who was there anonymously donates $2,000 for the trip, which covered all of my airfare, that fast. And it's almost like Father was saying, look, you're having a panic attack, but I got you. <laughs> like, it's not over for you. I still have a plan for you. You're still included Things are going to work out. You don't, you, know, you don't see everything. The whole path's not revealed, but it's going to be okay. You can trust in my love. And it was a step. And so I want to take just a second and look at the root of all of this, because it really goes all the way back to Adam. In Genesis 3, 4, 
It says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the serpent is implanting a lie right here. It's like a lot of what's going on in this in 2020. This lie is basically saying, God's holding back on you a little bit. There's this higher knowledge of good and evil, but you can't have that. That's the knowledge for the cool people. You don't get that one. Right? And Adam buys into this lie. I, I must have done something. I must not quite be measuring up in some way because God's holding back the cool stuff and doesn't want to give it to me, right? Those are the thoughts of a spiritual orphan. Father's not fully for me. Father's not fully there for me. So what do we do? Let me take matters into my own hands and try to take care of myself, independence, right? That's the fruit of being a spiritual orphan, independence. I'll try to protect my own self and provide for my own self, right? So he starts hiding behind a bush, when God shows up, he's protecting himself. God asks him a question, he blame shifts. Eve did it, right? Protecting himself, trying to take care of himself, independence. You know, this, this is the root of it. And when we can see this lie, we can do something about it. We can let the truth of God's love come in and dispel that lie. 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So you guys know this verse. I don't know if you, you may or may not know that if you look up perfect in the Greek, it means mature or complete. Puts a very interesting spin on the verse. When God's love has matured in my heart, it casts out fear. And in any area of my life where I'm afraid, where I'm triggered, where I'm freaking out, God's love is not quite matured yet in that area of my heart. Make sense? So we're in this lifelong process, right? None of us have arrived, but we're growing, you know. All these years of, of walking with the Lord, hopefully we're growing deeper in his love. And it's casting out our fears the more it matures on the inside of us. We feel more and more at home in his love when we're letting his love in. John 1.18 says, No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. This is an interesting verse. Little, little verse, easy to read right past it. But it says, Jesus was in the bosom of the Father. That's super interesting. He was in a place of being very, very loved by his father as he walked on the earth. You know, when my son, who, who's uh, now 27, when he was a little baby, we would come to church here on a Sunday morning. We would go home and have lunch and then lay on the couch and watch the Jaguars and hopefully not be disappointed. And he would lay with me on the couch with his head on my bosom, Right? My arms around him, safe, secure, loved, warm. Jesus was in the bosom of the Father. He walked in that place of intimacy, of, of, 
of being loved. You know, I used to go into, uh, when we moved to the Dominican Republic, my son was five, and, and after he would fall asleep, I would go in his room, and I'd speak blessings over him. And I'd just say, you are so loved. Like, you are so special to mom and I, and you're so handsome. And there's such a wonderful future for you. You are such a blessing. You know, and then just many nights I would go in there and I'd just speak those words, you know, and let them just soak into his, his spirit. How much more our Heavenly Father wants us to be in his bosom, to receive that love in the middle of our circumstances and the things that are freaking us out. It's a, it's a matter of can I trust enough to open my heart and let it in? Can I receive it? It takes trust. Trust is scary. Maybe I've opened my heart to certain other father figures or people in my life and I got hurt. So I'm not so quick to want to open my heart and, and let love in. You know, and this is, the, this is the growth path that we're on. This is the things that we're learning to deal with. In John 14, Jesus had told the disciples in John 13 that he's leaving and they're freaking out. You know, Rome is not all that friendly of a place for the Jews. And Jesus is, you know, they thought he'd take care of everything. They just didn't understand it was a, in a different way than they imagined. And so they're freaking out. And so Jesus speaks to them in John 14, 1 to 4, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So in the Greek, the way that reads is I go to prepare a family dwelling for you. I'm going to pre prepare a place in the family of God for you, a place in God's heart for you. That where I am, you may be also. Where's Jesus? We, ju we just saw it. He's in the bosom of the Father. And he wants us also to be in the bosom of the Father. How do you not let your heart be troubled? By a letting God's love in and, and, and abiding in the bosom of the Father. He's gone to prepare a place in the family, a place in God's heart for every single one of us. And he did that. It says a few verses later, I think it's in verse 6, um, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You now we use that verse a lot for evangelism, which, you know, I think is fine. But what, what's the context there? Getting to the Father. You come to the Father through me. That's why I came. So you don't have to be orphans anymore, spiritual orphans. But you can come into this family and receive this love. When Cindy and I first started working with Shallow Place, we went to this conference in Tampa, and, and they were based up in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and they would hold events up there, and we'd often drive up there. And... It was great fun participating in the conferences they would do up there and just loving on people, seeing people get an understanding of the Father's love. But we would be driving back to Jacksonville and over and over again, we would both have the same comment. I just liked being around the team. 
like they're so friendly. Like I don't ever remember being around like church people (laughs) that are so incredibly kind. Like they just love you the whole time you're there. Like they keep hugging you and saying nice things to you. And like there's no sense of competition of who can do what. And, you know, they just love you. And just that atmosphere, just just being around that was life-changing. It was just life-changing. Just It's amazing. And that's why I love this idea of home, you know, in, in, in the logo of Beaches Chapel. Because I think that can be a vision for us at Beaches Chapel. There's a lot of people out there who are really hurting and really afraid. And, and they've gone through some really difficult things. And they can find a family here. You know, they can find people that will love them and care for them and, and make them feel included and not like an outcast. You know, that's the key. One of the ways that God has used me a lot through the years is ministering one-on-one to people who have gone through childhood trauma. And so for years and years, I've done that and, and ministered to people who've gone through all kinds of different childhood abuses. And, you know, someone who's really gone through some, some heavy stuff, you don't just say, you know, look, be in faith, brother. You know, you don't just cast out their, their spirit of fear and anxiety and hurt. You know, it's, 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 there's more to it than that. And you work with them and you minister to them, but there's always a moment, with, without fail, there's always a moment that changes everything. You want to know what that moment is? That moment is when they see that regardless of the abuse, they're loved. And they're not bad, and they're not flawed. There's nothing wrong with them. They haven't been abandoned, that they're loved. And in that moment, the pain goes away, and the healing occurs. And usually at that moment, they're able to see that person who abused me was a very, very hurt and wounded person. They don't determine my identity. That's the key. I'm loved. I was not abandoned. It wasn't because I was flawed or dirty in that moment. Father loves me. He he loves you with an everlasting love, it says in Ezekiel. You know what everlasting means? There's never been a time that you haven't been loved. That's the key. And, And whatever we're facing whether it's making peace with some past event like that, whether it's some loss that we've been through, whether it's a current crisis that we're dealing with, the key is the same. My identity is a loved child of God. I'm not abandoned. I'm not on my own. I'm not a spiritual orphan. Right? My father loves me and he's with me. And I'll take a step of trust to open my heart and let that in. At whatever level I can, that's fine. Take a step, you know, and let his love in. I had this memory for years that was kind of strange to me. I was a teenager and I was in the kitchen. My mom and dad were there and my dad was, was getting really angry like he would and, and he was beginning to scare everybody like, like he often did. And I, I tried to say something to stop him. Just say something. I was trying to just... Like, stop, you know, 
And I, I physically couldn't get words to come out of my mouth. My voice literally froze, and I couldn't make sound come out. It was a weird feeling. And so I had this memory, and years and years had gone by, and I was receiving ministry about that, and God spoke to my heart, you know, and, and, and first thing he said is, you know, I didn't abandon you in that moment, Robert. Excuse me, I was with you. You were loved. You didn't do anything wrong. And you don't have to try to solve insurmountable problems. But you can be my child and just be loved. And it just, just brought us, a, a weight came off of my shoulders. And just a peace descended into my heart. It, it no longer mattered to me why I couldn't make sound that particular day. I, I just let it go. Because it, it didn't matter anymore. God loved me. And he was with me. And I don't have to fix impossible things. I can just be a kid who's got a father who loves him. And put one foot in front of the other and go through the day with my father. And I don't have panic attacks anymore. I haven't for years at this point. But for 15 years in church every week, I did. But I don't anymore. I'm free. I don't have anxiety anymore. I don't, I don't have attacks of just racing thoughts and, and fears there's a freedom. I, 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 we go to the Dominican Republic. We were just there last weekend. And I have such a love for those guys. I, I don't care how long the line takes anymore. Or, you know, like I, I really, you know, can just rest. And I just, my heart is just, I love those pastors down there. I love those guys. They're, they're so awesome. Um, you know, and that's a work, work of God. And, and um, this is the path, you know, that, that we're growing on, growing in his love. And, and so regardless of what you're facing, whatever circumstances you are in, the Father's love is here for you today. Cindy, would you come? I want to just pray over you as, as we're finishing up. I just want you to know that there's a place in his heart that he prepared a place for you. And if you can let his love in, it will bring a freedom, a, a peace, and a rest Regardless of the swirling dervishes that are all around us in 2020, there's a place of rest in the Father's heart. There's a place of abiding in his love. And so I just want to pray that over you. I want to ask if you would just close your eyes and bow your heads. And Cindy's just going to play a little bit. I'm just going to take a few minutes. It's still early. And Father, we thank you that we're in your presence. Father, we thank you that it says in, in Romans 5 that you pour out your love abroad in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. So, Father, I ask you right now to come and pour out your love abroad in every heart by your Holy Spirit. Father is trustworthy. He won't let you down. His faithfulness is even unto the clouds. You can trust him, that he'll be there for you, to walk with you and be with you. So just as you are seated there with your eyes closed, if there's a circumstance that you're going through, would you lift it up to the Father and just place it into his hands? 
there's some things that have just caused you to be triggered and lose your peace, would you be willing this morning to put that into the Father's loving hands? Just say, Father, I give this to you. I don't want to carry this anymore. I don't want to try to solve insurmountable problems. I want to trust you and just do whatever it is you're telling me to do and be at peace and be at rest in your love. Father, I give this to you. Father, I choose to trust you that I'm going to be okay because you love me and you're with me and you're for me. So I make a choice and I take a step of trust to let you in at a deeper level and to release into your hands my worries and my fears and my anxieties, my anger, my frustration, my attitude. God, I give it to you. I choose to let it go. Father wants you to know that he never thinks a negative thought about you. He never thinks a negative thought about you. That his thoughts towards you are good thoughts, good thoughts, good thoughts, like a loving father would, good desires for his children, good feelings toward his children, to give you hope, to give you a future, it says in Jeremiah 29, 11. Father is not disappointed with you this morning. He sees where you've walked. He sees the challenges that you have faced. He sees the things that you've been working to try to overcome. And he loves you. And he's there. And he's not put out with you. And he's not disappointed with you. But he said that he will finish the work that he began in you. That you are a delight to his heart. That when the Father looks at you, he rejoices over you with joy and with singing because you're the apple of his eye. And he's delighted that you are his child, that you bring a thrill to his heart and a sparkle in his eye. He's not disappointed in you, and he's not frustrated with you, and he's not sidelining you, pulling back from his presence until you just learn something. No, he loves you. He's for you. He's with you. He'll never leave you and never forsake you. He doesn't abandon his children. He's not that kind of a father. He doesn't need to use fear tactics because he's not insecure. So he doesn't have to do passive-aggressive things. 
He just loves. He loves you. Father, we let your love in our heart this morning. We love you. We thank you that there's a place in your family for each of us, a place in your heart. Thank you for helping us to go deeper, to abide and rest more deeply in your love. We love you so much. You're so good. You're so good. You're so patient. When we would have lost patience, when we do lose patience with ourselves, you're still patient. You're still kind. You know how to work with us. You know how to work in our hearts to bring us into what you have and set us free from what we're struggling with. You do know how to finish the work that you began in us. And we're so grateful. Thank you, God.